Welcome to the Before You Buy or Sell a Business podcast, where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process, discuss recent transactions, and stay up to date on the latest news in the market. Here's your host, Jared Johnson. All right, super excited today to have Alina on. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So, you know, one of the main reasons I'm excited today is because you've acquired two businesses Mm -hmm. and then you're actually in the process of selling one. So got some really good information that we can unpack today. So excited about that. So maybe we can start with your background. Give me a little idea of what you did before you bought your first business. Yeah. So I have my bachelor's degree in political science. Um, I had minored also in business. And from there, the thought was to go to law school. And I've considered, you know, going into sports entertainment. I've considered even criminal and then business. And then we quickly kind of figured that wasn't the the best route to go. And so we ended up kind of settling for business pretty much. So moved from Florida to L.A., where I went to Pepperdine, um, did a dual degree with an MBA and JD. Yeah. How long did that take? Forever. <laughs> yeah, it felt like it. Oh, yeah, that was that was a very, very long journey because in between that, I had to get some experience in the real world mm-hmm. and, you know, do internships and even work just to kind of get myself up there. Um, and so it took me a little bit of time. Yeah. The MBA program specifically, I kind of wrapped that up as I was working mm. because it was kind of it went hand in hand with the work that I was doing. So. So you did the MBA and JD at the same time? So I started the programs together, okay. finished one, and then okay. finished the other one. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it takes a little while. I'm yeah. sure that's a lot of work, you know, just doing the MBA, you know, at least two years and then throwing yeah. the JD part. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and also doing that while you work a full-time job too. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did my MBA when I was working full-time and then I had my twins in the middle of it and that was hard. So I can't imagine then adding the JD on top of it. So yeah, it's a lot of work. Definitely a lot of work, yeah. But okay. I, you know, I found that it was very easy be, being able to pair my work experience with what mm-hmm. I was learning in my MBA program. Oh, good. So yeah, it, it definitely helps. Um, sometimes it's almost even a little frustrating. You feel like, hey, that's not really how you do it. You know, you don't want to yeah. get a fight with the professors, <laughs> but, you know. It's like the real world is different, right? Yeah, a lot of them have a you know a doctorate in economics, and then you're sitting there going, hey, guys, uh, this is how we're actually doing it. I yeah. work in finance, or this is what I do. But, yeah. you know, there's still some good education, and at the end of the day, they can't take that piece of paper away from you. So. Exactly. That's And that's I'm sure it's helped and you know the other stuff we're about to talk about so yeah absolutely. so after you finished that well you were already working full-time but then after you finished then you were working what were you doing at that point so at that point i was working for california's the bay area's leading utility company pg&e okay so i was working for pg&e i was working in their finance and regulatory department so i spent five years grinding in there i mean you know all the rate cases all the fires everything that went down there i was in the middle of it you know sometimes in my office in the financial district until midnight, one in the morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of a a lot of applied experience right away with with having the JD and the MBA. So yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then I, I believe when when you and I first started talking, you were also working for then you were working for a private company, right? I think yep. as a CFO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this company is a contract is co- contracted by PG&E to okay. do some of the work that we cannot handle, uh, okay. especially with the wildfires. Right. So that's how I kind of got in touch with them. 
they got very familiar with my work. They got very familiar with me and then they offered me the position. So, okay, great. Yeah. So, and then you decided to buy an auto repair <laughs> business, <laughs> um, in Arizona, Don't by the way. So, yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, it was, a it was a lot of that and it was a long time coming mm-hmm. for us to go into business. My husband was in the healthcare field, but, but he always had sort of a business mentality and so that was always brewing in the back of our heads, you know, sort of like becoming more independent and wanting to start a family eventually. Like with the way that we were working, we knew that like that wasn't the lifestyle that we wanted. Yeah. Or just I'm like, I don't even think I can, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at that rate. Right. And so um, during COVID, we kind of concocted our plan when we were working from home. Mm. Um, we just kind of talked, spent like months and months of like devising a plan of how we were going to do it. And it was like all very strategic. We started off with one business that didn't work out because it was in a different industry. It was in a cannabis industry, okay, uh, a yeah. CBD store, I think, which was the first one I brought to you. Yeah, but- I, I think I remember that. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately with anything SBA related, um, you can't go anywhere near cannabis. So yeah. even if they support it, it's, it's, it's actually kind of crazy. So even if you... Uh, so, for example, I had one that was a security company and like 99% of the revenue was traditional, you know, concerts, mm-hmm. uh, independent, you know, individual security, that type of stuff. And then they had one little um, part of it that was just, um, you know, taking over the stores and and making sure nobody was was coming into the stores. And we couldn't do anything for them. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I'm assuming eventually down the road it'll it'll lighten up or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, we were hoping so. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of regulations around that Mm -hmm. um, nowadays and the market is getting pretty saturated with them too. Yeah. So it just... I think in hindsight, it was probably best. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It worked out. Yeah. 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 So how'd you find the business you ended up buying? So we were... So we had packed our things. My husband and I got up, you know, um, we were working with... I don't know if I can name the bank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can. We were working with U.S. Bank at <laughs> okay. the time. Yeah. And um, the co- all the conversations pointed to uh, us getting approved, mm-hmm. which was kind of unbelievable. But, you know, we still kind of held up hope and said, OK, well, we're going to go for it. Um, so we packed our things and we left our house, put it on the market. Mm-hmm. The market was doing really well at the time. So we were like, well, you know, it's not a bad idea anyway. Yeah. And so we moved to Arizona. We drove here. It was 12 hour drive or whatever and uh we got here just working still continuing to work on that same deal meeting with the owner talking to the bank and then that's when we found out that yeah you know what it's just not gonna work Mm, that's frustrating yeah i hear that a lot (laughs) um and it's i think it's one thing i've I've talked about a lot but kind of like want to almost hammer at home there's very few lenders that actually do business acquisition financing yeah uh, especially in the sba world and Unfortunately, there's a lot of banks that don't have very experienced people or for whatever the reason, they kind of go around telling people, yeah, we can do it. Um, It's something we can do. And I mean, you even get to the point where you move and then they finally pull the rug out from under you. And it's it's really frustrating for the other lenders that actually do business acquisition financing because we're telling people, hey, that lender doesn't do that. They're not one of the three or four banks that actually does Mm -hmm. and does it, you know, well or does it a lot. And people don't believe us because they they kind of relate it to mortgage and think, oh, everybody does mortgage. Everybody does FHA. (laughs) Everybody does it exactly the same. And they don't understand that it's very different. So, you know, unfortunately, that happens from time to time. Um, But I'm glad, you know, we were able to meet. Um, So when you originally started looking at the business, what drew you to that deal? To be honest, I've done a couple of I've done some in M&A deals before in mm-hmm. the past, especially with that company I was working for as CFO. Mm-hmm. So I had some experience there as far as like what to look at and how to like um, assess and analyze a business. 
from a financial standpoint. So for us, like the main idea was, is this business profitable? Um, you know, are we going to be able to kind of keep it going? Um, what are some of the changes we could make? You know, are there opportunities for growth and revenue? There's all these things that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. And for me, particularly when I look at a business, I typically kind of think of uh, my financial situation, my financial goal mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, how much do I want to make? Right. Right. So based on that, I'm going to look at sort of the top line items that they have. Typically when they list a business, you're going to have your revenue you're going to have your, you know, ff e inventory. And then of course, you're going to have your cash flow or mm-hmm. in some cases, the SDE. Right. So these are the things that I look at. Mainly, I focus on the SDE compared to the revenue because then that tells you like how, you know, the expenses right. and how that works. Because just because you have high revenue doesn't mean like, you know, your SDE or cash flow is going to yes. be healthy. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> so-, <laughs> <laughs> so many people will say that. I mean, they'll, they'll argue with me. They'll say, well, they're doing $2 million in revenue. And I'm like, I don't care. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> if we don't have any seller's discretionary earnings, you know, if there's not any net income officer salary that I can actually use to right. see what the business is truly doing from a profitability standpoint, we have no way of showing that, first of all, that you can pay us back or second of all, that there's any value there. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So you liked what you saw on that one. I liked what I saw. And so that was very attractive. I mean, you know, off the bat, it was like the main thing. It was very attractive. It kind of met our goals financially. Mm. Um, of course, I, you know, I kind of also factored in what um, the bank notes would be too. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, we felt like it was a good opportunity. Did you remember what they were, had it listed for? It was one million six fifty. Okay, and then yeah. do you remember what you settled on? I actually went for one million six fifty, which is very rare for me, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. I always right. try to negotiate, but in this case, I didn't know much about the auto industry, mm. and um, I didn't want to lowball them. Right. But then there was another piece to it, which is um, the fact that it wasn't listed. Uh, okay. So it wasn't publicly listed. The broker that came to me about it was still friends. I was looking at a different company. Okay. And then he called me and said, hey, I'm sorry, this company sold, but I've got this great other opportunity. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't know anything about this. Like, how am I yeah. going <laughs> to? But it looks so good. So Yeah, it's funny, too, with the auto repair industry. I feel like um, the majority of people that actually own them and operate them and run them that are not truly mechanics mm-hmm. end up doing a little bit better. Um, Mm. I had a credit manager back, you know, I don't know, 12 years ago, 10 years ago that kind of explained that to me. He said, Hey, I would rather a buyer be somebody with good financial sense Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe even good sales experience. Um, that's going to focus on the customer service and then actually dive into the numbers, make sure what they're doing is profitable. Um, and so that's kind of how I've always looked at them. Whereas you would think, Hey, I want to go throw a mechanic in there, um, Mm. which, which couldn't be wrong to, as long as they kind of have the ability to also look at the numbers, you know, but you see that a lot in a lot of industries, somebody's really good at whatever widget they make, or if they're a dentist working on teeth, but then when it comes to business side, they're really bad at it. Yeah. And that, and that's okay. Um, you just put the right people in the right place. So ended up making sense for you. So, um, did you do a seller carry note at all? For that one? No, there was no seller carry note, which was nice. Okay. Yeah. So just straight purchase. Yeah. Um, and I believe that one closed at the beginning of 2022. Yeah, we correctly. closed, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, January 31st. Okay. Yeah, yes. I'll never forget that date. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so what did you learn during that process? Oh, my. Um, you know what I learned? The most important thing that I learned is people management. Mm. And, um, and what I mean by people management, I'm not just talking about the people you work with or people that work for you. I'm talking about even the community. Um, we basically got thrown into this huge situation with the community. 
um, with the previous owners. Um, and I'm I'm familiar with this because I've worked in politics before. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of familiar with it. But to be honest with you, it was like, I'm done with this stuff. Like, yeah. I'm not here for this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband, you know, having done all kinds of work in the community, too, as a therapist. Um, but we were like trying to hoping to like step back from that. But we mm-hmm. got kind of thrown into it. And it was a lot of people management and managing people's expectations and that sort of thing. And I think like the best thing you can do is be being able to manage up, down and, you know, across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to like the process of making an offer, going to the lending side, actually closing on the business, is there any piece of advice that you could give to a, somebody else that's looking to buy in, in a similar way? Yeah, I think, you know, what I'll say is I know for some people that I've talked to, um, they'll say things like, hey, you know, the SBA is going to do most of the work for me and they're, they're going to vet the business and they're going to make sure that it's profitable. I always tell people you need to do your own homework on that business. You need to evaluate the business properly and have as much face time with the previous owner as possible to understand, to really understand, you know, the operations. Forget about, you know, um, the, the skills, right? The technical skills of the business itself, but understanding, you know, the financials of the business, understanding the key players in that industry is going to be very important who you're going to be working with, you know, who's who your vendors and those, those kind of people are going to be very important for you to understand. And also knowing if there are opportunities for growth, because that's, that's very big, right? You're stepping into a situation where you're going to have debt. Mm -hmm. And as we know with the SBA, you know, it can go up and down with, you know, the, the rates are uh, variable. They, yeah. they're variable, they fluctuate. So with that being said, you know, you need to always keep in mind that you want to have much more, right, than what's, you know, being analyzed, basically. Yeah. Okay, great. That's some excellent advice. Yeah. So, okay, so you got in there, you figured out that you had to play a little bit of a politician oh, yeah. um, <laughs> within the business, which you didn't really want to do. How did it go the first, you know, three months, six months um, once you were in there? Yeah, the first three months was, to be honest with you, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, financially, it was great. But from a people standpoint, it was difficult because I come from a different background. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from corporate. I have a Lean Six Sigma certification, uh, green belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have the mindset of coming in and, you know, making changes where necessary, where I see fit. And that does not go over very well. Mm. It just doesn't. Um, my, another piece of advice is, wait a while before you make changes, Mm. you know, just kind of go in there, stay low key, just learn as much as you can. Um, Obviously if something is, you know, just broken or just doesn't work and is hurting your, your financials or hurting operations, then you're going to have to make changes and people are going to have to just deal with it. But as far as some of these other things that can wait, my suggestion would be to, to just kind of wait and get people's buy-in first, Mm. you know, get people comfortable with you first because then they'll be more receptive to whatever you're bringing to the table and not kind of think like you're just coming in here and just, you know, cleaning shop. And in the auto industry, especially here in Arizona, a lot of uh, big corporations are coming in here and buying auto shops. Mm. And, you know, people who work in this industry, they're very nervous right now because they're thinking, oh, you know, these people are going to come in and they're going to change things. And, you know, this is going to be a different environment because we're talking mom and pop compared to big corp, right? And so it makes them nervous. Mm -hmm. So when you come in with that kind of attitude, it just makes them nervous. I've had people ask me like, oh, you know, do you have like some big court backing you up and this is just (laughs) a front, you know? And in hindsight, it's all because of kind of like me coming in. Hey, we're going to change this process and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. So 
obviously that business did very well, but maybe we can pause on that one. Mm-hmm. We'll move into another one. We'll come back to it. So sure. then you decided to buy a second business. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did you wait in between, you know, buying the first one to the second one? It took me, it didn't take me long to realize that, okay, um, I can run a business. I can run any business financially, but um, this just wasn't a good fit, you know, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, it just wasn't working for my personal life and that sort of thing and personality too. So I think we closed the first one um, January. By May, we were like, you know what, we're going to sell. Yeah, so you were you were already starting to look into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know you you kind of reached out to us and said, hey, this this isn't exactly what we wanted. Um, I think if I remember right, you had a child at the same time. Yeah. I was yeah. actually pregnant at the same time. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, so you could do it all. Yeah. And you look great. So obviously, <laughs> well, you. you know, you, you were able to have a kid. Juggle. Business. I mean, you worked full time and got your MBA in JD. What, you know, you could pretty much. Do I'm everything. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you like it a little bit. Um, so we, we had a little bit of, um, you know, kind of some issues with that one and, and maybe some advice that uh, you could give to somebody who could explain a little bit about what happened with the financials and tax returns on, on the first one you bought. Yeah. So, um, just, it, it got very complicated as mm-hmm. you remember. And another thing too, is, you know, the documents you're signing, you know, it's, I can't stress it enough. You have to thoroughly review those things. Mm-hmm. I personally having a JD and I've worked in contracts and everything, um, personally, that's not necessarily my personality. I tend to trust people. Yeah. <laughs> and so it turns out I had signed a longer NDA because there's there was two. There's uh, a okay. short NDA, which is like your standard. Yeah. And then there's a long one, which basically states that I don't have the rights to the financials, which mm. um, I think I, you know, I overlooked that. It happens. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to kind of be like you where I can usually read people fairly well mm-hmm. and sometimes that hurts you, right? Because yeah. you're like, oh, they seem great. I totally trust them. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize <laughs> like this is what happened. So, yeah. um, you know, one thing that uh, I've actually learned from your your deal as well was um, you weren't able to get the the most, uh, so, so acquiring the business in January, typically the seller will not provide the year-end tax returns because they're not filed yet. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, they're going to get extended or they won't be done till you know, March. Yeah. Um, so you did not obtain those tax returns. So then when you go to sell, it makes it very difficult because you don't have the most recent year-end tax Absolutely. returns. So when a bank or buyer is looking at it, um, even an appraiser trying to value the business, they struggle because they don't have the actual tax returns. Mm-hmm. So something that I've learned and I think is some good advice um, for people is, hey, maybe even put in the contract that you want those tax returns, oh, yeah. um, especially it makes it difficult your situation closing in January. But if you're closing in April, May, June and further, it, you should absolutely have those tax returns. Um, nobody thinks I'm going to buy this business and five months later decide yeah. it's not for me. Right. So <laughs> right. Um, I think it's just something good to think about. You know, I don't think you did anything wrong. Um, it's just a learning curve. You know, every deal Definitely. is a little different and there's always something you're going to learn. So, yeah. All right. So in between um, us kind of figuring out, okay, how can we get this thing sold for you? You acquired a second business. So mm-hmm. what, what type of business was that? So Munchpack is an e-commerce. Um, we sell snacks from all over the world, basically, is what we cool. do. We have a warehouse here in Avondale, Arizona. Okay. And um, yeah, it's um, it was definitely a much different experience. Um, this one took five months, mm. <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah. I thought it would have been a lot easier, but it wasn't. Um, just, I think, 
mainly the seasonality in the business kind mm-hmm. of, you know, gave pause at times trying to figure that out with the bank and everything. So it was definitely different. And how did you find this listing? Same, same, mm-hmm. uh, same broker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the same oh, guy that loves you. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah. The same guy that sold us the auto repair shop sold us this one as well. Cool. And ironically, I had, um, I had found a very similar business to the one I previously reached out to him for when I reached uh, out okay. for the auto repair shop. Yeah. And then that one sold too. So he was like, I have something else for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good. Great. I mean, there's, there's definitely some outstanding brokers out there that mm-hmm. are able to think ahead. And when they're looking at a listing or they're thinking about something that's about to come on the market, a lot of times they'll kind of have buyers in the back of the head right. and they go, Hey, let me talk to you about it. And of course it makes everybody happy because then the seller's happy because they get a quicker close. The buyer's happy because they kind of got something, you know, off market before mm-hmm. everybody else. Did. And then of course the broker loves it because they don't have to advertise it. Right. Yeah. So it, it was a win-win for everybody. So that's great. Um, so it's essentially, if I remember correctly, um, it's like a subscription model it is and mm-hmm. you get it uh snack packs like delivered directly to your house yeah okay absolutely. and then was it in florida no no it's it's actually here okay there was something oh you're thinking about a different one that i had brought to you it was also a subscription model oh okay right yeah. and it was in florida and you were gonna move it to yeah Arizona. yeah okay mm-hmm. all right so all this right. one was a candle thing but yeah. oh yes yes yeah. yes yes okay that yeah, one was interesting yeah so uh, how's it going now that you acquired that one? How'd that one go? You know, it's, it's going really well. It's, it's in my wheelhouse, you know, this time around and mm-hmm. I feel really comfortable. I'm in my skin. Cool. Um, it's driven by marketing and advertising really, yeah. you know, the more you spend on marketing and advertising, the better your ad campaigns, you know, the more revenue and the more successful you'll be. So when we came in, of course I had just had the baby or I was getting ready to have the baby. And so <laughs> everything was kind of I'm on about the- to have a baby. Let's just buy another business. <laughs> <laughs> So we kind of had, we have a great team, you know, and um, they're they're phenomenal. So they were able to kind of run with things for like a month or two. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so we took, my husband and I took that time to focus on the baby. My mom was here for four months. And um, after all that was said and done, we came in full fledged and we're like, oh yeah, this is a nightmare. (laughs) Oh no. Oh yeah. And so we had to, we had to basically let go of a lot of the companies that were doing things for us that were outsourced uh, marketing and advertising you know, email campaigns, all of that sort of things and hired a brand new team. They're now doing a phenomenal job for us. So, so were they just not up to kind of your standards? So a couple of things happened, to be honest with you. One, yeah, the standard was definitely not there. Um, but I think what happened is sort of the culture that the previous ownership had, you know, had, um, when we came on, my expectation would be that, you know, there'll be conversations about, okay, what do you guys expect from us? And, you know, what are you guys wanting? To, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. These conversations did not happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have, you know, initiated those conversations. But for us, we were also learning because we're talking about advertising, marketing, e-commerce. So we're like still brand new to this thing too. Um, so we didn't know the right questions to ask, you know? Yeah. And they weren't brought up to us. Ah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it makes it difficult if you haven't done that part before to kind of really know what to ask and what right. to look for. But mm-hmm. now you do. Now we do. <laughs> kind of learn yeah. the hard way a little bit, right? Just yeah. drink it through a fire hose. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was definitely a lot, and it still is. But we got it. It's running pretty smooth now, so we're cool. we're good. Good. Yeah. And so, what was that one listed at? 
That, oh yeah, that one was initially 3.5. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what did you, did you have some pretty hard negotiations back and forth? We did. Okay. It was, it was definitely hard because when we dove into the numbers, I, I saw it even before taking it to the bank, but I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I kind of knew what was coming. Um, but anyways, when we got to that point, you know, we, it was a conversation about the cash flow. It was a conversation about advertising and marketing because again, e-commerce, uh, consumer brand, uh, uh, highly um, dependent on marketing and advertising. Right. And so knowing that they were going to sell, I think like a year before they stopped spending. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. And it, it really hurt them, quite frankly. <clears throat> yeah. So um, we just came down from 3.5 to 1.9. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember reviewing it with you and kind of saying, hey, I think this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is a little bit over where it needs right. to be. So yeah. good. So you got it for 1.9. And then did you do any seller carry on that? There is a seller carry note for two fifty. Okay. Uh, on standby for the life of the loan. Okay. And I think cool. this one. So the bank that I was working with this time, I think for them mainly, um, the idea was that they were not very confident, mm. you know, in the scenario here. So they said, you know what, we're gonna just gonna put it on on full standby. Okay. Otherwise, they would have done a shorter. Yeah. Note, but yeah. 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 It seems like the over the last five or six years, the seller notes have just kind of evolved and become very different um yeah and you know we're usually fine with trying to figure out um you know kind of what works for everybody mm-hmm. um and even now the sba has been changing how what they're comfortable with with the seller notes so it's yeah. pretty interesting okay so uh you got that took it over we're able to have a child um, yeah. <laughs> you know wait for a little while did you kind of take the same approach of pay attention to what's going on and then come in and, and see what we can fix Oh, yeah, absolutely. That that works every time. As a matter of fact, I think we did better this time because we literally we really took a step back and like took a back seat. Mm. We're like, hey, you know, you guys are the expert, you know, just do your thing. We're we're learning from you. And that made them feel super comfortable, which is different from what we did last time. We did, you know, the whole learning thing and kind of stood back, but we were a little bit more. I would say a little bit more aggressive as far as like, hey, we're going to come in here and make some changes. This time around, we're like, you know what? We're going to back off. We're just going to watch them do what they're they're doing and see see if it's successful or not. Yeah. Sort of make mental notes and then, okay, this is what we really need to do to tweak things. So so then obviously now you've made quite a few changes um, and it's up to kind of up to par what you're looking for. Exactly. It's it's where we are. It's where we want to be. Obviously, we have growth plans and we're definitely in growth mode right now we have a commercial coming out soon oh cool so um and we are going to be celebrating the company's 10th year anniversary we're going to wow. be doing like a special candy bar for that that we're cool. putting together um so lots of exciting things going on yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds fun yeah okay so thinking of that acquisition compared to the first one what was like the main kind of advice you could pull out of this one yeah, the main advice here is, you know, um, again, just be very thorough with your with your review. Obviously, not everybody has my background mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that. But um, even if you can find, you know, a CPA to to do that kind of work for you or a financial analyst, you know, to do that kind of work for you and really dive into those numbers, that's going to be key because there are a lot of things that go on in a business, you know, with your previous ownership that, you know, for you may be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to need to understand these things, understanding what your expenses will be, maybe even start thinking about some of the things that you might want to change and what that's going to cost. Right. Cause then you have to factor that into the performance of the business overall. And then yeah. of course I cannot stress that enough, you know, the legalities of things, yeah. you know, this time around, the first thing I asked for was I want full access to all tax returns of this business. 
and you know so i wanted to make sure i had that like first thing that's great yeah, yeah. no i think and it's kind of funny with you know going back to the the previous situation i've literally since learning kind of what you know happened with you is like literally telling people like no you need to get those financials you need to get those yeah. tax returns so you know we, we all kind of learned from your <laughs> situation because it's not something that comes up very often mm-hmm. um you know it's it's very rare that somebody says buy something and then within a year or two says hey i'm ready to sell surprisingly this year i think i've done at least five or six where i did the original one and they're selling but most of them have been like five or six years um and so it does happen so okay so you got a business that fits you better Mm -hmm. um where you can kind of put your stamp on it and use your skills and and experience and and strengths to Mm -hmm. grow the business so you still have the other one that you were looking to sell at the same time you bought it and had a child. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, you kind of approached and said, Hey, this isn't exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. I looked at the numbers and said, are you crazy? Like you're <laughs> killing it. So, um, yeah. you know, obviously whatever you, you did, um, and you did apply to it was working very well. You've mm-hmm. done, you've done phenomenal compared to what it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, so what made you still want to sell? Was it just, do you feel like it was just too much to kind of juggle between the two businesses? It was, no, actually my goal was to do two businesses okay. and to keep two businesses. But um, for this one, we just felt that it just, just the industry, uh-huh. it's just not a fit personally. You okay. know, it just doesn't fit us. Um, the people that we work with, the people that we come across. Um, my husband has done a great job, you know, with the operations and he's figured it out and He's doing really well, but it's just, you know, personally, it just doesn't fit us. You know, just the types of people that you're working with, their personalities, because there's these things too, personality types. Yeah. You know, for people that care, we do. We just feel like it's just not a good fit. Okay. Yeah. And that mattered to us more than, you know, the, the perform- uh, financial performance. Yeah. But for what it's worth, you were good at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. So you, you obviously increase profitability of the business. But then we kind of ran into a problem, right? So any buyer that's going to look at it, a bank, um, and someone's going to appraise it, it's going to want to see not only kind of the year-end financials, they mm-hmm. usually want to see a tax return. So um, I think we kind of got together and said, okay, what what can we do here um, to get this to be something that can actually be sellable? Um, so what we all kind of decided to do was wait for the year to end. Mm-hmm. So you waited for 22 to end. Um kind of go through the numbers, see exactly how they look, um, and then file the tax return so that we had a full tax return. Um, <clears throat> I know that wasn't ideal. It's not exactly what you wanted to do, um, but it ended up kind of working out. So how did it feel kind of being on the seller side of of a listing at this point? Well, yeah, it was an interesting perspective. Um, I definitely um, didn't want to be my sellers, right? The people mm-hmm. that sold it to me, I mm-hmm. just didn't want to be that. And um, it, it was definitely interesting to have like both sides of the equation, especially with the same business, um, just kind of seeing sort of the things that buyers go through and, you know, even the things that sellers go through. But um, for me, the main thing was kind of transparency. Oh, okay. It was the main thing for me, wanting to be transparent with my buyer. Um, even, and I think you might've seen, we took a hit at some mm-hmm. point. You know, because there was some drama (laughs) there. And so we took a hit and just even being transparent about, hey, you know, these are the numbers. You know, this happened. You know, it was like two, three months of like kind of like lower than we would expect or than we would typically do. But this is we, we, you know, we got over it and, you know, we we did better, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, able to find, you know, get the tax returns done, able to list the business 
found a buyer who is actually in the industry right. looking to grow. Um, I think he's got two or three other locations, mm-hmm. so kind of fit perfectly with mm-hmm. him to add another one. Um, how much negotiation was there back and forth on the purchase price? You know, um, that's interesting because we had several buyers that came to us. We've had two big corporations come to us before okay, with very high um, asking price. Um, very little negotiation, really, mm-hmm. even with um, our current one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, f- I actually forgot about that. There was another set of buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, their kind of way of wanting to take over the business was was fairly interesting, yeah. um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, if I remember correctly, they kind of wanted to take over the business and almost lease it from you, um, yeah. if, if we could use that term, mm-hmm. um, and then just pay you every month um, and then eventually actually buy out the business. Now, obviously, that's not eligible for SBA financing. Right. I think I was a little nervous with that and I felt like you were as well. Um, so we kind of like, we we're like, yeah, I don't know if this works. Um, then the other buyer that's actually moving forward with it now um, seemed to be a better fit. Mm-hmm. I felt like his personality kind of matched with yours a little bit as well because he's fairly laid back, mm-hmm. but um, was serious, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, very easy going, easy to talk to and yeah. stuff. So I, I feel like it's a better, a better fit, you know? That yeah, way, so. definitely. And he's in the industry, so that helps um, right. also with the folks that work for us right now too. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to him um, made it a little easier because he's like, oh, I got this at my yeah. other two locations yeah. or whatever, you know? So yeah, it made mm-hmm. sense. Cool. Um, and then, so with that, with the process, um, what's kind of been different with waiting for it to come through rather than being on the buyer side, trying to push, uh, you know, to collect everything it, it, from a kind of, I guess, mental, emotional state. How's that feel different? That is interesting. Um, cause we've been on the other side where we were the buyers mm-hmm. and, um, the, the seller had to wait for us because it was a long process with the CBD business. Mm-hmm. And we're like, wow, we're finally understanding what this man was going through. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting because when you've worked so much in a business and you're like, you know what, this is not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And maybe even have life changes, right? Because that person right. had some situations at home as well. And he wanted to just kind of step away and spend time with his family. And the business wasn't allowing him to. And we couldn't, he couldn't sell it. So it's just, it was, it was a nightmare. And we're finally understanding from his perspective. We knew, but now we're like, oh, wow. From his perspective, like when you're like done with something and you're kind of like ready to move on with your life and ready to move on with everything else and you're just kind of like waiting. And um, I think the, the the main thing here is to be careful not to be too laid back with the business still because you still right. own it and you still want to sell it and you still want to leave something good for the, for the buyer. So you have to be careful not to be too laid back and still stay engaged and still keep working at it. Yeah, that's some great advice. I think it's it's difficult. Like you're saying, you're, you're so ready to be done. I guess it's kind of the same as like, when you put in your two weeks and you're like, I have to sit here for two weeks. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I don't want to do this, <laughs> but you never know. I mean, I guess when you yeah. own the business, you're still relying on that income. You still have a loan payment to yeah. make. And you also, I mean, worst case scenario, if it blows up at the last second, you've got to find another buyer now and you want to be able to present it exactly. as still being very valuable business. Um, yeah. but that's still kind of turnkey. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. That's some great advice. So getting ready to close that one. It should be hopefully done here in the next week or two. Um, what's next? Um, we're focusing on Munchpack for now. Okay. Um, we're, we're hoping to blow that one up and just grow revenue as much as we can. 
maybe there might be an IPO in the future. Oh, that'd be cool. We don't know. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to do something like that. Um, but then we're thinking more passive income stuff too in okay. the future. So like maybe like end of this year, beginning of next year, we might end up just doing a string of maybe like car washes, things like that, for example. Okay. Just things that are just super, super passive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just make sure you're getting a good enough return. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hard part. I feel like a lot of people, um, are, are struggling right now to find anything passive, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think the the industry that we're in with business acquisitions has still been so busy mm-hmm. um, because people are trying to find somewhere to put their money where they can still get a good return. Right. I think a lot of them, like like you had mentioned before, don't realize how much work it is up front, um, especially when you need to go in and clean things up and, mm-hmm. and do stuff. So there's there's a lot more work involved, but there's also a good return. Absolutely. Involved. So yeah. obviously the, the business that you had bought that you're now selling, um, there was a, a good amount of return during the period of owning it. But mm-hmm. then now also selling it, you're doing very well with it. So um, kind of made sense, you know, to get through there. So you'll have some more capital to exactly. plow into the other business and yeah. keep keep it growing. So yeah, that's our thought. Cool. Um, so if you have somebody that approached you and said, I'm thinking about buying a business. Um, what is the first thing you would tell them? Um, first things would be to really evaluate the business from a standpoint of, is it a good fit? Mm-hmm. You know, how does it fit into your life? Right. Cause that's going to matter. You don't want to buy something where you're making a ton of money, but then you're miserable. Right. Right. There's that part too. Desert car care at some point became that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because of everything that was going on in there. Um, and so we had that going on. So we wanted to make, you want to make sure it's a fit for you and for your family. And then, you know, again, you know, you want to make sure that you look at, you know, your goals financially and how the business can help you achieve that and your goals for the business, because you buy a business, you might want to grow it. So it has to be able to generate, you know, even more than, you know, what you would even anticipate. Right. Right. Okay. So essentially same question as a seller. So if a seller, somebody that owns a business came to you and said, Hey, you've sold the business. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about doing it. What would you tell them? For that, for, for that perspective, I would say, um, keep your books clean. Mm, okay. <laughs> right. I would say to one of the main things for me is continuing to do your books every month. There's been times when I fell behind on, you oh, know, yeah. keeping up with like categorizing my, my, uh, my, uh, PL, doing my balance sheet. And so you can kind of like let them accumulate. And then when you're ready to sell, you know, you have to go and try to clean that up and remember everything, Oh yeah, you know, so you want to <laughs> kind of stay on top of that month over month if you can. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some, some great advice there. All right. So I always ask two questions at the end. So first one, um, do you, or have you ever had a mentor? Oh yeah, I have had a mentor um, at, at PG&E, my my old job, the one before my CFO position. Uh, he was he was uh, I don't know if you if you know Mr. Miyagi. Oh yeah, he was course. my Mr. Miyagi. Okay, yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. it was it was a tough way of teaching me, but it was effective. Yeah, yeah. smacking your hand. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, I need to go back and watch the old ones again sometime. <laughs> That's such yeah. great movies. Yeah. All right, so. You know, last question, um, you've been very successful. Um, what motivates you? What makes you want to keep going and, and keep getting better and continuing to be successful? My family. Um, honestly, we're, we're very big on family. Um, my mom was a businesswoman at some point before she retired. Um, just, just wanting to help people. We do so much to help our families and to help our communities, my husband and I. So that's a big motivating factor for us. Um, we're always giving back. And then um, now my son. Yeah. You know, it's just that's just want to be good. Just want to potentially leave something behind for him. So awesome. Yeah. Great. Great mm-hmm. answers. Yeah. So 
I feel like you've kind of done it all. <laughs> you <laughs> bought two businesses. You you know you got your JD, MBA, had a child in the middle of all of it. So I really appreciate you coming on today. It's been thank great you. speaking with you, and I'm sure I'll talk to you again on the next business. Perfect. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful. Please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For more information, or if you'd like to discuss a transaction, please go to www.jarrettwjohnson.com.